0: Our Lord, Amen. And so just before we uh, uh, turn to the scriptures, I just want to show you a birthday cake. This is a cake which is downstairs, and uh, we're all going to stay and enjoy some of it afterwards because uh, today, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is 1,989 years old. That's our birthday today. And uh, we look forward to... For another year that the Lord has in store for us, unless he returns, takes us to be himself. But indeed, we continue to be faithful to him, as indeed our brothers and sisters have throughout this time. And we thank thank God for his goodness to us. I just want to say thank you very much uh, to those who have read the scriptures to us this morning. Uh, what wonderful scriptures they indeed have been, Uh, challenging scriptures. They're scriptures that we probably all know pretty well. And they're scriptures that perhaps we just let, you know, run over our heads without thinking too carefully about them. Uh, Maybe we've not seen the link to the Old Testament in terms of the Holy Spirit before. Uh, Maybe we have failed to understand these things. We have failed to read the scriptures as clearly as we should have been. And yet there it is and we discover that as Joshua the son of Nun was jealous because others had the work of the spirit within them. And Moses turns around to him and says, I would that all of you would have the work of the Holy Spirit within you, or the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. And sometimes as we look around churches today, we think to ourselves, yes, there definitely needs to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the lives of individuals and in the lives of churches. Of course, a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit is a church that has unity And we see that very clearly in the scriptures that we're going to be looking at, not just today actually, but uh, further on during this uh, series of messages that we have now on the Holy Spirit. Because today has brought us into Acts chapter 2. We've gone through Acts chapter 1 and we've looked at the fundamentals, the core uh, beliefs and teachings and doctrines that we need to have. And now we begin to see the church Uh, at its first uh, birthday if you like and we're able to look at the situation that we find ourselves in today. Sometimes things happen which cause quantum changes in our societies. Um, Canada seems to have quite a few of these at the moment. There are big things that are uh, told to us that we have to do from government and we're discovering that they have changes that take place. People's lives even in our own community have changed because of regulations that have been presented regarding COVID-19 and all the things that we're hoping will be a memory of the past, but there is still fear that many of these things will come back uh, to us. People have lost their jobs. People have uh, not been able to pursue Uh, Perhaps the careers that they had hoped and prayed and believed that God was leading them into. Maybe college and university has not been an option just at this time. And even now there are those that are facing difficulties. And so we recognize that there are quantum things that take place and change society. I wonder what we'll look back in five or ten years time and think to ourselves uh, what were these last two years like from a historical perspective? I wonder. My fear is, is that there's something else that will eclipse the last two years and we'll forget these two years because we've got something else more serious to be concerned about, more serious to worry about. Now, one thing that has uh, made a lasting impact upon uh, the world and has changed uh, basically everything that we do Um, It all started back in 1989 with a guy called Tim Berners-Lee. At this point, I would just like to mention that he was English, okay? Uh, He invented the internet, Tim Berners-Lee. He worked for uh, the um, particle physics laboratory in CERN in Switzerland. And he was discovering that all these scientists were unable to talk to each other to find out what was going on. So he sat down. He was a computer uh, software engineer. He sat down and he just thought the internet up there and then. Now you could imagine this guy, can't you? It's his wife's birthday. And so he's going to the internet and he orders her flowers. He books a table at a restaurant, then he remembers that he hasn't renewed his driving license, so he goes online and does that. And every time he goes online and he's doing these things, he's thinking to himself, oh, I invented this, okay? And everybody in the world is using the internet because it's called the World Wide Web and it has changed everything. And it hasn't just changed the way that we order our wives' flowers. Okay? It's made a massive change. To our societies. Uh, we've discovered that people are party to information now. That they shouldn't be party to. In the way that they are. Information is passed around. at Things are disseminated. And we discover that bad things happen. Young people particularly find themselves caught up. In this thing called the internet. You know they punch in. I was talking to uh, a couple yesterday, and they were, had, the, had the police come around to see them because their child was on a school bus and another child threatened to kill somebody on the school bus. And then they discovered that, remember, the Internet forgets nothing, so if you've looked up something on the Internet, it will remember you, okay? And the police came around because they found out that another child had punched into Google, how do I kill so-and-so? You know, this is the situation that we find and we discover that there are changes that are taking place. Now, the scriptures that have been read to us this morning, and can I say very well indeed, particularly the passage that Sherry read to us, but what John has had to share with us, and we'll talk about that in a few moments, What they tell us is that if we're Christians, if we're believers, if we have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we don't have to imagine what it's like to be at the heart of Pentecost. Because what takes place here at Pentecost, at first Pentecost, affects us in our lives personally, in our lives as churches... As a community of believers together. We don't have to imagine what it's like. We're part of it. Now sadly many people, many Christians today get the impression. Well you know it was great back then. God worked in a wonderful way and of course he did. There are things that are unique in the book of Acts. But we have to understand that what took place at that first Pentecost has a continued effect in the church of the Lord. And that's why we're here 1,989 years later. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit that has kept, let's face it, a disparate group of people. Different backgrounds. Different races. Different languages. Different ways of thinking. And yet throughout every country of the world, there it is. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is growing growing is growing and it continues to grow and it's bigger now than it's ever been before. All around the world you will come across people. Yes, tiny little groups, two or three meeting in countries where it's almost impossible and yet the Holy Spirit gathers them together and He gives them power and He feeds into their hearts and in their lives and it's exciting and these groups, they know about each other and we even see in countries like Iran, which is blaming everybody else in the world for everything that's gone wrong and yet there it is, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be kept down. China does its level best, it's got all this surveillance and stuff that's going on but there it is these annoying little christians keep popping up everywhere and they have a message to share and they've got a gospel to proclaim because they know it's real they know it's true because it's in their hearts and it's in their lives it's part of their dna it's who they are and the holy spirit keeps them strong and keeps them safe and they keep encouraging each other And here we are and we're meeting all this time later and we have this continuity within our hearts and within our lives and we praise God for this. So we don't have to imagine what's going on here. Friends, we are at the very center of the giving of the Holy Spirit of God into this world. The events that change us and who we are. The events that literally pick us up from where we are and plant us in the kingdom of heaven. And this is the Holy Spirit that does this for us. And we rejoice in him. It's the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, the passage that we've read this morning from Acts 2, I would suggest, is one of the most important passages in the whole of the scriptures. And yet, it's a passage that is almost totally ignored by some churches. How can that be? But it's true. Some churches actually deliberately, well, we don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We'll get ourselves into trouble if we do that. But without the work and person of the Holy Spirit, we have no power to hold us together, to lead us, and to guide us. Now, it's absolutely right to point out um, that the disciples, and indeed many other believers, should not have been completely surprised by what took place in Acts chapter 2. And yet, they were Uh, Even in Acts chapter 1, as we've commented on several times during the course of the last few weeks, Luke records the words of Jesus in Acts 1 verse 4 in which he says, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now and then 10 days after the ascension of our lord jesus christ we get the account that's recorded for us here in chapter 2 from the very beginning of acts jesus has been trailering if you like this moment that we've read about and he said john baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now again another reason to understand the meaning of the word baptized who wants to be sprinkled with a little bit we want the lot we want to be immersed And that's why it's so important that we understand these things. Plunged, if you like, into the Holy Spirit of God. And the excitement builds. And then we come into chapter 2. And Luke starts to set the scene for us. The detail is very, very... We know all the detail. Dare I say it, we can Google it. It's about nine o'clock in the morning. The date was probably the 23rd of May in the year of our Lord, 33 AD. So we know the time, we know the day, we know the year. And people say, you know, you don't know anything. Uh, To find out this information, all you have to do is to keep clicking the up arrow on your Google calendar, and eventually you'll come back to the year AD 33 so today, the church of our Lord Jesus, as we have made mention, and we've got a cake downstairs for afterwards, is 1,989 years old. We're jolly close to 2,000 years. Is there any significance in the year 2,000? Well, of course there is. You need to be saved now. That's the significance. You dare not wait another moment don't risk it. You need to be at the very center of this exciting and most wonderful event that took place at Pentecost in AD 33. And here's the thing, you can be. You can be. Now interestingly, uh, Pentecost in the year 2033 will be on Sunday the 5th of June. Exactly the same as it is today. Today. And the church then will be celebrating its 2,000th birthday unless the Lord Jesus returns sooner. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Why wasn't Jesus able to tell the disciples of the time when the Lord, when he would return? Because he didn't know. He hadn't been told the father had not imparted that information to his son. Verse 1, it's Pentecost, also known as the Feast of Weeks. Seven weeks after Passover, seven weeks after Jesus died and rose again. A week ago last Thursday was Ascension Day, our Lord returns to heaven, and then just ten days, that's today. Ten days later we have Pentecost. And as Jesus' followers are all gathered, something remarkable I think that's a bit of an understatement really takes place but something absolutely incredible and remarkable takes place there is a massive noise you know the sort of noise when you sort of sat in your garden perhaps and suddenly you hear this great big bang and you sort of look up and think oh what was that it wasn't a bang they heard this is a noise that came from heaven the sound of a rushing wind and when you hear the power of the wind you know you begin to understand what's being spoken of here. Everybody turns, everybody looks. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of, as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So we begin to see the setting. It's strange. It's noisy. There's, there's these tongues of fire that have come and have settled upon each of them. And in any case, if you're still wondering what's causing it, verse 4 goes on and says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It is God in the person of the Holy Spirit who is responsible for absolutely everything that is going on here in the scene that we have set before us. And even if you know nothing about the Holy Spirit, and that might be more of us here than we realized this morning, okay? The teaching in many churches is very poor when it comes to the person and the work and the Holy Spirit. And that's the first thing that they usually struggle on. People go away thinking it's just some sort of force. But we're talking about God, the third person of the Trinity. And so already we begin to see the weakness that there is when it comes to our understanding. Often pastors are afraid to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. They're afraid that half the congregation will go off waving their hands, swinging from the light fittings or whatever it is, and the other half will be wishing they didn't know the other half. And these are the saddest things that we can understand because it split the church. And it should be the thing that unites us together. Because it's the powerhouse that we have. And we should be able to rejoice in this. My wife uh, went to church all her life. And she said to me as we were preparing and talking of the series in Acts on one occasion. She said, I can't remember ever a message on the work and person. And the importance and the power of the Holy Spirit. How is that possible? How can we call ourselves churches and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and at the same time we just hedge about the power which is given to us through the Holy Spirit working and living and dwelling within us? It is the Holy Spirit that holds the church of Jesus Christ on course. It is only the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that enables us to know that we are saved. Have you ever understood that? What are the scriptures saying? Romans 8 9. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Can the scriptures say it any clearer than that? And then you've got people in churches, you talk to them, it's a bit like in Acts 19. When Paul meets the guys and he says, You know, well, what were you baptized into? And they say, well, We've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, if anyone does not have the spirits of Christ, he is not his. Then, verse 11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also live. To your mortal bodies. Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Through his spirit who dwells in you. The words are repetitive and they're repetitive for a reason. Now from the description of Pentecost, the way that the event is presented... The lead up to Pentecost as Jesus spoke it to as disciples all tells us that it's very important. And as I've already said in Acts 2 is one of the most important passages in the New Testament and the whole of Scripture. So let's look at what's happening very carefully. This is only just a beginning of our messages on, uh, on the work and person of the Holy Spirit. There will be several more messages as we look through that. And I hope that people will be wanting to come along to find out more for the impact that it has in our lives and in our churches. Because we need to understand these things greater than we have ever understood, I think, before. So, first of all, there was a large crowd gathered in Jerusalem, and I congratulate Sherry for attempting to say all those names. They weren't easy, and uh, they certainly aren't overly straightforward. Why would the Scriptures have this long list of uh, different places? To emphasize... The fact that the people had been brought in. This is all planned and orchestrated by God. This is the beginning of the church. And the date and the time, everything is so vitally important. And so all these people come from all over the known world and they're gathering there in Jerusalem. There's this large crowd. Uh, Verse 6 tells us that the multitude came together. Um, Who were these people? Well, verse 5 tells us, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem. uh, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. People from the whole world. So you see that verses 9, 10, and 11. Why were these Jewish people in Jerusalem at this time? Again, very, very important. Because they had gathered for the temple feast of Shavuot. Or as the Greeks called it, Pentecost. Jews who were able to travel were expected to travel back to Jerusalem for the gathering of this great feast. What did the feast commemorate? It commemorated Moses receiving the law on Mount Sinai. Now, how, how significant is significant that is? So the feast is to commemorate, or the Jews commemorated, the receiving of the law. But what do we commemorate? We commemorate the receiving of the Holy Spirit. But you see the link that there is and why it was so significant. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. We have to read this one. What what an interesting verse. It says, but if the ministry of death... Whoa. If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, well, we know what those stones were, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, incidentally. How will the ministry of the Spirit be more glorious? Verse 13, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at his face Of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now, do you not see the significance and the importance that we have here? The veil is removed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and they were astonished or as verse 12 puts it, so they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Do you ever have times like that in your life where you see things going on and you think to yourself, whatever does this mean? What's going on? I'm brave enough to admit it. I have it quite often. My wife's talking to me and I'm thinking to myself, because I'm not listening properly, I'm thinking to myself, whatever does all this mean? It's usually a long list of things going on about the children, the family, and all the rest of it. And I'm not listening as I should have. We've just got a new um, uh, curriculum for our children for homeschooling. And uh, I've been trying to absorb the information, but there's only so much a chap can take if you get my drift and you have to, uh, to leave it to someone else. But this is, this is the question that is presented here. What does this mean? And it's the question, I guess, that a lot of us have in mind. This is the key question that we're talking about this morning and that we will be looking at during the course of the next few weeks. Maybe because you've heard lots of teaching on this chapter uh, or teaching about the Holy Spirit and you've already got many ideas in your minds that you have thought of. Or maybe it's because you're confused about how the the Holy Spirit uh, works and functions. And whether you've got the Holy Spirit, whether he means anything to you, there's that confusion in your life, you've got no idea, in fact, what Acts chapter 2 is really talking about. You know, people speaking foreign languages and stuff like this. Well, what, what's going on here? Either way, the question is, what does it mean? A great question for us to answer. But, of course, what we want is for God to answer this question clearly for us. Because many people write books on the work and person of the Holy Spirit. There's probably more books on the Holy Spirit than you can shake a stick at in, in any sense And we come up with whole different ideas and angles. But what we want to know is what does God say about it? You don't want my views and opinions particularly, do you? What you want is God's word. What is it that God says about these things? And where do we find that? We only find that by reading the scriptures. We don't go off and follow other people. We come back and we follow the scriptures. We read what God has to say to us. What is the leading that he has? We want God to speak to us. And this evening in our gospel service, uh, when we look at Psalm 29, if anyone knows what Psalm 29 is, I think seven times repeated, it's the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And how often do we ignore or do we put our fingers metaphorically speaking into our ears and not listen to what God has to say to us? And that's what can happen in every aspect. We want what God says in the Bible to answer the question that we have raised. You know, what does all this mean? Which is why it's great that Peter gives us the answer. The inspired word of God here gives us the answer. The apostle Peter, God's hand-picked witness. And as we look at this answer during the course of the next few weeks, uh, we're looking forward to hearing what the Lord has to say. So please keep coming back Sunday mornings and we'll look at this question together. So let's uh, begin to find the answer right now. Firstly, and this is the one point that we're going to make today because we've uh, got some folks to welcome into membership, and we've also got uh, Lord's Supper, which is important today, and uh, and we've got our, um, our piece of roast beef in the oven at home on low, but we want to enjoy it, not have a burnt offering during the course of this afternoon. So so let's just just answer this one question. Firstly, the Spirit has come on every Christian, every believer. Verse 14, But Peter, standing with the eleven, God's word, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and heed my words. In other words, listen carefully. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On all flesh. And in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all people, all flesh. Peter goes on and says they're not drunk as some of you suppose. No, this is the fulfillment of what Jesus has been talking about a few weeks before. And this in fact is the fulfillment of something even more than that. Joel's great prophecy in the Old Testament. This is the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Bible teaches that we have one God who eternally exists in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we give lots of attention to the first two. And some churches, lots of attention to God. Do you notice they talk about God? They like to dwell in the Old Testament and they talk about God. And there's a problem when it comes to talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The fulfillment prophesied and spoken of in the Old Testament... And, uh, and then we, why? Because suddenly it requires personal faith and trust in the Savior. There's a quantum shift that has to take place within our lives. So we talk maybe about God, about the Lord Jesus Christ. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, often neglect is placed. God the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and we're Trinitarians. And we give lots of attention to the first two, but then some people think the third is just a force, just a power. You know, something like the wind blowing. And you're wrong to think that way. No, the Holy Spirit is also A person who's fully God as much as the father and as much as the son and has existed in perfect unity with them for all ages past he's mentioned throughout the Bible even from the very first chapter and I guess some of us here might take the Holy Spirit for granted in some respects but one of the key things you would know about the Holy Spirit if you knew your Old Testament really well is that he was only given to a few people before the time of Jesus. And you would have picked up that from the reading that John uh, read to us. And the version that John used used the word that uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, was jealous. And uh, wow, what a situation we see there. And Moses makes that point. He would that all people would have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, dwelling on them. Generally, people who did special tasks that are recorded for us in the Old Testament had the Holy Spirit resting on them. For example, those who led God's people, uh, those who were prophets had the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit resting upon them. We also know that the Holy Spirit was taken from people. And we know uh, that King David prayed, don't take your spirit from me. And yet everything's changed because now when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and when the Holy Spirit moves into our hearts, he's there to stay. God doesn't take his Holy Spirit from us. Now there are certainly things that we do to stop the Holy Spirit from working within us. Some of us seem to be doing our level best to quench the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Even in our churches, we'll say and do things which are absolutely outrageous. We allow sin into our hearts and in our lives. And how can the Holy Spirit operate when our minds are fixed upon something else? Maybe something on the internet. Instead of being fixed upon God. Instead of waiting for God. So Moses saw what an amazing thing it would be. For everyone to have God living in them. And he looked down through the annals of time. And he saw Jesus. In fact in Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. We read these words. Again words which we don't often think about. But they're stunning and important. It says the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. Like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. And Moses says, you've got to listen to him. You've got to listen to him. And this, of course, was Moses speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then a thousand years later, the prophet Joel comes along and said exactly what was going to happen. And then Peter quotes Joel here from verse 17 to 21. In the last days, it shall be God declared that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men, I guess old men fall asleep a lot. Is that the general gist here? I'm not sure. Shall dream dreams. And even on your male servants and your female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. You see the idea, that day would come when the Spirit would be poured out on all of God's people, regardless of who they are, regardless of whether they're male or female, regardless of whether they're young or old, whatever their status, whatever they're coming from, they would get the Spirit. It was a huge promise. And at 9 a.m., At Pentecost, that Pentecost, something like the 23rd of May, 33 AD, the promise was fulfilled. The Spirit was poured out on every Christian for the first time in history. God, the Holy Spirit, came to dwell in every one of his people. I just need, as I mentioned earlier, but just clarify it again, uh, to say that we've got to be careful with the book of Acts. Because there's a lot in Acts that is unique it's not to be repeated the book describes events which kick-started the church and so it's describing not necessarily prescribing many events are unique they're not always normal indeed even the way that the spirit came in this chapter is unique just like we don't look for another calvary we don't look for another pentecost it was unique the spirit was given Every other time that the Holy Spirit is described as coming in Acts, it's never narrated like it is here in verses 1 to 3. But the Holy Spirit really is for every believer, every born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is the single point that we're making this morning. I look at the end of Peter's sermon and you could say that a theme verse for the next few weeks is recorded there. Peter said to them, uh, to those who had gathered there, chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, as we've said so often. Look at the order of these things. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All these things are linked together for the promises for you and for your children And for all who are afar off, right the way found through the the, the annals of history, the annals of time, to everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Every person who puts their trust and faith and belief in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is imparted to them. Yes, it's a unique moment in history. But it's produced a massive change. From now on the moment anyone becomes a believer. The spirit always comes to live in them. And that means that if you're a Christian. You have God living in you. (laughs) That's us. We have the holy God. Who created the universe. Living within us. Could we ask for anything more? of course not if you haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ yet you need to right now but if you've done that then you have the Holy Spirit and you're caught up in this momentous moment in history you're part of Pentecost you're part of Acts chapter 2 you have God God Living in you. Let's pray. And so our gracious and loving heavenly father. We come and are humbled. As we have read these words. And as you have spoken so clearly to us. um, We belong to you. Because you live within us. And it's that that makes the difference. and, And our hearts cry out. For those around us, friends and neighbors, people in our family, and they've managed to get themselves to believe some ridiculous story that just being religious will fix it all for them. And that's as ridiculous as you can ever get. Because the faith that we have is personal. The God that we have is personal. And it is He living in us through His Holy Spirit that gives us the assurance that we belong to Him. So bless us, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name. And as I say, next week we'll be unraveling how a bunch of nobodies became somebodies who were able to preach the gospel to the whole world and how a bunch of nobodies here in Norwich, Ontario (laughs) were able to become a bunch of somebodies